it's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to the final drive here on WNSP. It's a March Madness Friday edition and boy, oh boy, did we have March Madness last night and to go along with that March Madness and because it was such a spectacular performances that were given last night, in a giving mood this afternoon, two South Alabama Jaguar baseball tickets versus Louisiana to be played this Sunday at 1 o'clock p.m. We'll take the first caller at 251-694-1055, but only call if you're able to come by this afternoon before 5 o'clock to pick up these tickets. We have two tickets for South Alabama that will be hosting the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana this Sunday at 1 o'clock p.m. at Stanky Field. Two tickets are all yours. If you're able to come and pick them up, you give my man Michael Bronner a call, 251-694-1055. And these two baseball tickets for South Alabama taking on Louisiana are all yours for this Sunday, 1 o'clock p.m. at Stanky Field. And they're playing baseball on Sunday, but also a lot of basketball being played on Sunday, but it it's going to be hard to top what we saw last night in the Sweet 16. And I told you yesterday, I really felt that the Gonzaga-UCLA game was must-see television. It did not disappoint keeping most viewers up till 1045 or so. But to start the night off, we had us a humdinger between Kansas State and Michigan State. An overtime game at the Garden, and they call Kansas State the Little Apple. Well, they were in the Big Apple last night, and Marquise Noel, he said, Hello, New York. I'm back. He's from Harlem, and he definitely put on a show in the Mecca last night. 20 points, five steals, a record-setting 19 assists. It's on one ankle. And he did it on a bumped ankle. Now, here's the crazy part. When he rolls his ankle, he still played 43 minutes of basketball. So, salute to the training staff for Kansas State for getting him taped out. And I know they're thanking God for TV timeouts. But when you look at his overall performance, 20 points, 19 assists. His teammates were knocking down shots as Kansas State They've got those dudes, and that's what Coach Tang said when they beat Kentucky. They were able to go ahead and handle their business. 98 to 93 winners in overtime. And that just got us started, folks, with the March Madness in the Sweet 16. Now, when I had an opportunity to watch UConn and Arkansas, I don't know what Razorback squad that was that I was watching because the must bus pulled in with four flats 
<laughs> to Las Vegas after 10 uh, minutes in the game, Michael Bronner. So Eric Musselman, and we've – I don't know what the general consensus on him on, on this show. I think we both agree he's a heck of a coach. He's a little annoying. Uh, he, he, he complains a lot. He talks a lot. He rips off – I mean, like him or hate him, he, he gets the job done in March for the most part, but – to see Arkansas go down in such epic fashion, uh, one round after Musselman rips his shirt off, it's it was it was poetic. Uh, I'd be lying if I if I didn't say it was it was nice to see. Uh, I think last night specifically spoke more to how good UConn is than how bad Arkansas play. Uh, UConn is that that's a bit of a wagon uh, up there in Stores, Connecticut, and uh, so as again, Musselman. Yes, is it funny that? They just get smoked by 25 or whatever it was uh, right after the shirt comes off for, for for the must bus. Yes, it was very funny. But that UConn team, that's a legitimate national championship contender now in the Elite Eight. It, it was a tough night for the SEC, of course, the Tennessee Volunteers. They lose to FAU. And this is only FAU's second appearance in the NCAA tournament period in school history. And they really defeat the Vols. Now, when you look at the first half of that, it's really a tale of two halves for yeah. Tennessee. Because anytime you can hold an opponent to 22 points in the first half, I, I felt that Tennessee had them right where they wanted them. Yeah, I thought uh, over is probably not the right word. But, I mean, it didn't didn't look good for FAU. I, it seemed like they were pretty physically outmatched. And if Vescovy's making shots for Tennessee, you're in trouble. And, it, it was funny. I mean, we had Eric Kane on the other day. We were talking volunteers with him, and he said, well, there's this narrative out here that Tennessee is a dirty team and, and, and you know, there's nothing to back it. And then, of course, the clip of Plavsic comes out uh, really just driving his shoulder into the guy. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it was a game changer. Was, I mean, it was it's a an intentional it was it, a dirty It's play. an intentional foul. But a, a team with 34 wins that's a nine seed, you definitely have to call them Cinderella. And for them yes, to I'd defeat so. the Tennessee Volunteers, you know, Tennessee ends its season at 25 and 11. But Florida Atlantic, the Owls, do they have what it takes to beat K-State and make it to the Final Four? Because either way it goes, you're making a lot of history for both of these programs. But if you ask me, America has really fallen in love with Marquise Noel, and rightfully so. Because he, he did it on the biggest stage at Madison Square Garden. Now, when you start looking at UConn and everything that went on with Coach Hurley's squad, UConn, even though they won the game, it wasn't a great week when they arrived to Las Vegas. UConn had dirt and vomit in their hotel room, Michael. They had to check out of their hotel because of how dirty it was and vomit was on the floor. And then on top of that, they had personal items stolen from them while they were practicing. I hadn't I hadn't heard any of this. In the Thomas and Mack Center. Wow. So at least they were able to come away with the victory. Whew. Because what happens in Vegas obviously does not stay in Vegas if they were able to go ahead and steal personal items while they were practicing and preparing for the Final Four. But at the same time, UConn, ends Arkansas season 88-65. to 65. Now, the game I really, really wanted to watch was Gonzaga. And, and it, was, it was for a lot of reasons. I have Gonzaga in the national championship game playing Alabama. But Timmy time is what 
America is asking. My my best friend, I told him, you can't have a possession when you're down 13 to where Drew Timmy does not touch the basketball. And he winds up with 36 and 13. And I, I knew for the life of me he was going to take the final shot. They were going to find a way for him to win the game. But the play that was designed was to perfection. And now you've seen it run to perfection in two clutch situations, yeah. one to win a national championship when you have your inbounder. And Basketball 101 says the most dangerous person inbounding is the inbounder, inbounding the basketball. You forget about it. And he becomes a trailer, and Strother just stroked it from deep. I mean, and they didn't even need a three either. It was a one-point game at the time. I, I couldn't believe when, when Strother pulled up, I couldn't believe that was the look they were going with for the game Timmy had to not to not give Timmy the ball in that situation down one again you know worked out so I'm not uh, I'm not criticizing it in any way but it was crazy to to not it's like everyone in America thought the ball was going to Timmy there it's probably why Strother got a good look and they kind of forgot to account for him even after the uh, Chris Jenkins shot the national championship but and then you know, UCLA I mean, Timmy did miss two free throws. Yeah, and they were—they—they they gave him life. But, but again, I'll—I'll I'll take those misses. And yeah. they would have sealed the deal. And, and they almost had an epic collapse because being down 13 points, basketball is a game of runs. My mom can tell you that. That's one of the first things I taught her. I said, it's not like football when you're down 10. You have plenty of time to where within 30 seconds you can—you can recoup seven or eight points. And that's exactly what Gonzaga was able to do. They were able to recoup points quickly and go from being down 13. You knew that lead wasn't safe, not with the type of talent that they had, but it was a matter of, okay, let's see if it's really going to be Timmy time. Let's see what adjustments UCLA is going to make. And Nick Cronin, outstanding coach, but it's got to be heartbreaking. If, if, you're, if you're UCLA, you don't you don't want to see Gonzaga ever again on your side of the bracket ever, because this has been three epic times that they played some great basketball basketball at its best in March Madness, and you saved the best for March. These two teams get together, it's going to be an epic game. I you had the Suggs buzzer beater in the Final Four, and now the Strother heartbreaker for for UCLA. Poor Mick Cronin. I mean. Jeez, uh, and it's the same. It's the same crew for UCLA too. Tiger Campbell. I mean, it, it, it's Jaime Hawkins is the same guys. So I can't say I feel too bad for him. It's the same guys that knocked Alabama out two years ago. But it's just, it's mostly different for Gonzaga outside of Timmy. But and wow. and both of these teams, that's what you want to see. You want to see it come down to the last shot and knocking it down. UConn and Gonzaga. Now, again, I have Gonzaga winning it all, uh, or excuse me, playing oh. for it all, not winning it all, playing for it all. UConn and Gonzaga. Can Hurley and Co can Coach Hurley continue to work his magic? Because they, they've lost eight games. They start off the season 14-0. They've gotten back hot at the right time. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they're able to do. Now, I'm going to flip back over to that East region and talk again about Tom Izzo mm -hmm. and what he had to say being the lone representative remaining in his conference. 
please tell me that Tom Izzo does not believe what he just said last night. You want me to play it or go you want ahead. me to tell you, tell go, you what go, he did? Go, tell go you right ahead and play there. it. Okay. Better what anybody says, top to bottom, uh, you know, I, I have no problem standing up and saying we have the best league in the country. You know, when you have that number of teams uh, beating the hell out of each other every day, I don't think we're worn out from it. I just think you get a bad seed from it. So we had all these teams with seven, eight, and nine seeds. And I'm not saying that was wrong, but that's what happens when uh, I like to see some teams come in and survive this league in the places we play. So, you know, I'm going to become a big Badger fan. I'm going to pull for them in the NIT. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm proud of my team, but I'm proud of the league too. And uh, disappointments, there's disappointments. But uh, I think as a seven seed, maybe we showed how good our league was instead of, like some people say, the other way around. Now, credit to Tom Izzo in regards to them knocking off the heavily favored Marquette team. Congratulations. But to say that you are the best conference top to bottom, Purdue. Purdue went bye-bye in the first round. So they, what is the stat now? They haven't had an Elite Eight team in like, like what, since Wisconsin made the national championship against Duke? I, they, they, the, the Big Ten does not do well in March Madness. Do, does not do well. I mean, Purdue was like your hope this year, I guess. Indiana Not, gets beat by Miami. Indiana gets – no, they didn't get beat. They got destroyed by so Miami. Michigan State was your lone hope there. Illinois, they go bye-bye. Arkansas. Quick, fast, in a hurry. Iowa, they SEC. go bye-bye. Good night. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. See, I'm not like a root for the SEC guy, but, you know, when, when it's time to push a narrative. They're, 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 well, they're, that's <laughs> the narrative that he sold to America last night. It's, I, I just, how, how can you say that? It's, it's like Purdue, yeah, they were a number one seed. I mean, they had no chance. I think what's the what's the Ken Palm stat? It's something like all tw- all of the 25 past national champions have been a top 20 offensive and a top 20 defensive team like in Ken Palm adjusted stats there. I don't think Purdue was was uh near in either of of the two. They it would have been the biggest like anomaly of a national champion this year ever. And of course they lose to 16 seed. They weren't even close. It's just like really like the best league in the country. I know you just beat Marquette, but the Big East is better. You just lost to Kansas State, so it's an odd thing to say after losing to to the Big 12. And Jerome Tang last night rightfully said the Big 12 is the best team or the best conference in the country. I mean, the the Big East right now is like eight and two in March. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labonte along with Michael Brauner taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. And with it being March Madness, that means there's a lot of March sadness as well. That means there's a lot of coaching changes that are going on. And here at 4 o'clock, we'll talk to one of my former players at Faith Academy, who is the new women's basketball coach at the University of Mobile, Sydney Westry received that news on yesterday and was named University of Mobile's lady head coach, women's basketball coach, and the Jaguars. They have a new women's basketball coach as well. Yolisha Jackson 
coming from South Florida. She is the new women's basketball coach at South Alabama, taking over for Terry Fowler. And she was a former assistant coach for Terry Fowler and had an opportunity to go down to South Florida and was very successful. Made the NCAA tournament the last couple of years and was very productive as a recruiter under Coach Fowler. So we'll see the difference that Yolisha Jackson can make with the South Alabama women's basketball program. And tonight, plenty more March Madness for you. Alabama versus San Diego State tipping off at 5.30 on TBS. And the game can be heard right here on WNSP. Of course, you have Houston and Miami at 6.15 on CBS. Creighton taking on Princeton at 8 o'clock p.m. on TBS. And then Texas versus Xavier at 8.45. So if we're treated to anything like we were last night, the Alabama Crimson Tide, I know this much, Michael. I know you don't want there to be that type of drama. You would rather there be the type no. of drama that was not had in the UConn-Arkansas game. I and want nothing to do with how th at, at two of the four games were last night with Alabama. I don't know if my heart can handle it tonight. By the way, you know, if you want to check out WNSP.com, I did make previews and predictions yesterday. They went 0-4. Uh, so if you read the – if you – if, well, if you took gambling advice from me, that's your fault. But <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that, that's your fault. But there is picks up there for tonight. I, I almost – I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to jinx Alabama, and I wasn't going to pick against Alabama. But there, I'll send the link in the app right now to the article. There's a fresh set of picks there tonight. If you feel like making the fade brawner and, and, uh, and, and take all opposite picks parlay, well, it'd pay a lot of money because I took all the favorites, but – yeah, there are four new picks up there today. I'm, I, I am really worried I jinxed Alabama because I went 0-4 yesterday. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But I, I, can't, handle a, I can't handle a game tonight like, uh, like Michigan State, Kansas State was last night or, or Gonzaga. Alabama favored by seven, according to Vegas. But... At this point in time, the Crimson Tide are definitely going to have to buckle up and, and play their best basketball. I've, I've said it. They're going to have to hit at least six threes or more in order to go ahead and space out San Diego State and have an opportunity to win this game. But will it? Will this season be a disaster? Will it be considered a failure after winning the SEC regular season championship and the SEC tournament? If Alabama fails to get past the Sweet 16, would it be considered, or would you just be happy to have a regular season ring along with an SEC tournament ring and call it a day for the Crimson Tide? Because for those Tide fans out there, there there's a real, real mystique in the air about not being able to punch that ticket past the Sweet 16. Yeah, if, if you ask me... As soon as the game went final tonight in a in a hypothetical loss, then yes, I would probably say the season is a failure at that point. You ask me in a week or so with some time to reflect and, you know, I, I, I'm not so emotional about it, then no. Like, it, Alabama's had a phenomenal season. Like you said, double SEC champs. Doesn't, it doesn't happen very often. They have – it's just – you don't get these opportunities often. 
this is the best team Alabama's ever had. By far. I I, I think talent-wise, I, I, Mick Gillespie said it yesterday. I think these teams that have lost earlier, I, made one Elite Eight in 2004. But this is the most talented team Alabama's had. Brandon Miller is the most talented player Alabama's ever had and probably ever will have, at least for a really long time. And so this is your chance. The window's open. So yeah, it's going to be devastating if they can at least make like make the final. You don't make, you don't win the national championship. All right, you get to the final four, you're playing with house money. That is the reality of the situation. I, I, absolutely, so, you're playing with house money. But well, I just think you, you, you can't you you cannot lose tonight. Now with the blue bloods of college basketball being gone, no Kansas, no Kentucky, no Duke, no North Carolina, UCLA's now gone. Indiana's now gone, and I've already stated that I think Gonzaga is one of the new blue bloods of college basketball. You don't think you have to win a championship first? I know we got in this argument the other day. Yeah, I, no, you don't have to win to be considered a blue blood. I don't think you. it's just year in and year out consistency They're because like, there's so many teams consistently to get there. You know, one national championship, Villanova, of course, has three, and I put them in that pot. But I, I still say that with the traditional Blue Bloods being gone now, you have an opportunity to really rise up and make history. And the other games ago, I, I, I don't I, I just think that Gonzaga. I think you have to win a championship to be a Blue Blood. Gonzaga's got, like, purple blood. They're getting there. They're getting there. I mean, what is it? Two national championship appearances. Couple Final Fours. I, I, they're getting there. I, I just don't think you can call them a blue blood before you win a national championship. I get in that in that modern blue blood. I mean, it, UConn. Someone made a good. Someone made a good point in the app. If Gonzaga's a blue blood, UConn has to be. UConn is a blue blood, but your traditional six schools. I mean, Gonzaga. UConn way more so than Gonzaga. No, I guess UConn was kind of irrelevant before Jim Calhoun got there. But I mean. Kind of in the sa- they're kind of in the same mold, except UConn has two championships recently. So I don't know. I, I, as far as being a blue blood, I don't think you have to have a national championship. I, I think that you can have enough wins year in and year out. Make the tournament they year in and year out. They play a joke out. of a conference. They have a bye to their conference championship every year. But when they get into the tournament, are they one and done? No, but like. You gotta win a championship. You gotta get it done. It's not like, yeah, you know, to your point, it's not like they're just getting bounced in the second round every year. And that, they're making runs. That, that's what I think that, that I'm not that, disparaging Gonzaga as a program. Sure. It's a heck of a program, but I think you gotta have a championship to be a blue blood. Uh, I, I I I differ with you on that for sure. I, I think that to be a blue blood, you can have wins to still be considered a blue blood. Now, you're going to have your six traditional blue bloods, without question. You're definitely going to have your your Kansas and your North Carolinas and your Kentuckys. North Carolina, I I mean, you're going to have UCLA and you're going to have Indiana. But what have you done for me lately to be considered a blue blood? And is it new blue blood? Yeah, that's a, the that's a, that's more my new, point. There's a new class, new blue blood, than your than your traditional blue blood. That's where you have like your, I guess Gonzagas of the world, your Yukons of the world. You can even put Villanova in that category too. I think they're a little bit 
a notch. Well, they're certainly a notch above Gonzaga because they have championships. But you know, it's an interesting. You you also have Houston and Miami tonight. Houston trying to make a house call, want to get to play in front of all their fans. They're going to have their hands full. Mm. I I think the Miami Hurricanes are good. Are are going to give them all they can handle. And and that's going to be impressive. Creighton and Princeton. I think that that's one that really doesn't move the needle. But if you're a basketball purist, you'll sit and definitely keep your eyeballs in front of that one. I'll be honest. If Alabama loses tonight at 530 because they're the first game, that might be be it for for the night for me. And Texas and Xavier, what happens there? That's the closest line of the night, and those are the two – Two teams from two of the best from the two best conferences in college basketball. I had the hardest time. I actually went with all favorites in my picks. So I think I'm likely not to go 0 and four tonight, at least. I went with Alabama, I went with Houston, I went with Creighton, I went with Texas. So that's that's the official uh four picks of the night. All the favorites. I know that's boring, but I went 0 and four last night. I need to avoid going 0 and four tonight. <laughs> Are in complete madness. Definitely understood there, trying to avoid that. And and when we come back, we'll definitely touch back on this blue blood topic. Not going to run away from it. Enrique Williams, South Alabama's all-time leading tackler, will join us to talk about him giving back in his youth development camp coming up this weekend at Sims Football Park. We'll talk to Enrique Williams up next here on The Final Drive. Hi, this is Phil Steele, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Brauner bringing you all the March madness that's going on. And, of course, we had some outstanding games last night, another four-on slate today but before we get back to march madness enrique williams the second south alabama fans will remember that name because he's only south alabama's all-time leading tackler and he's having an opportunity this saturday to give back to the youth and i wanted to get enrique on to talk about his youth development camp this saturday 11 30 a.m at sims football park park enrique welcome to the final drive my friend hey man happy to be here thank you for having us on absolutely and i know that it's a camp that's being put on a youth development camp ages 5 to 12 but it's just not yourself who's putting it on you have some of your friends and former teammates who will be there as well yes sir we have coach Willie Bohannon, he will be leading our mental health sector um, in our youth development camp. He's gonna, uh, I'll let him speak about uh, as far as what he brings uh, to the table. We have Coach Romeo Jones. He leads our empowerment sector of our camp. I'll let him speak about that as well. And I, I lead the, uh, the exercise, physical training. So we all collab together to put this this on every two weeks and um we're just excited to get this thing rolling it's a youth development camp this saturday sims football park 
and that's on Blackwell Nursery Road in Sims. And again, you will have physical training aspects, mental health aspects, nutrition, fun, and devotion for young men and young ladies between the ages of 5 and 12. And I just wanted to touch bases with you and let you and Willie talk a little bit about the aspects, the different aspects of what this camp is going to bring to the Sims community. And you mentioned Willie Bohannon, a young football player here from our area as well. Good afternoon, Willie. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having us. Willie, talk, um, a little, talk a little bit about what you're going to be bringing to this youth development camp in Sims on Saturday. So I'll be bringing a mental health aspect. The last camp we had, I was able to talk to the kids about what resilience means and to teach them what it means to keep pushing forward even when hard situations come about. And that's really the main goal for me with the mental health, to teach them how to push themselves with their minds and not have to resort to physical in order to, cause, to fix their problems. Um, at the University of Tennessee, I was able to study psychology while I played football. And um, when I got that degree, I felt really accomplished, and it made me feel very um, special. And I wanted to be able to give that back to the kids to help them reach a point to where they can also feel more confident and special about themselves through accomplishing something great. For those that forgot, Willie Bohannon, again, played his prep ball at Blunt High School and then went on to the University of Tennessee to play for the Vols and bringing that mental health aspect. And also, Enrique, I know that you also mentioned you had Romel Jones, who was also a former South Alabama Jaguar and played on one of those teams that really got started with the program. Romel, good evening. How are you? Good evening, good evening. How you doing today? Man, I'm blessed by the best. Talk about the aspect that you'll be bringing to the camp. Again, you being a former South Alabama defensive lineman in the trenches, what aspect will you be bringing to this youth development camp? Yes, sir. I will be in charge of the empowerment portion of our group, and I am the minister of the group. So I come in to make sure that while we're giving all of these kids this good and this fun stuff, I like to leave a little bit of medicine behind in that candy to make sure that when they finish savoring the flavor of the candy, that they can have the power of Jesus Christ within them to understand that although we spend more time in our bodies and in our minds, that if we can tap into this spirit, that we can actually take control of this body and this mind and drive it to places that even we don't believe ourselves. This is a youth development camp that will be for the ages of 5 and 12 this coming Saturday at 11.30 a.m. at Sims Football Park located on Blackwell Nursery Road. And Enrique, talk to us about your time with South Alabama and, and in the history books being South Alabama's all-time leading tackler and being part of the historic teams that got started under Joey Jones and played those games at Ladd People Stadium and how far South Alabama football has gone since the time you played and started with Joey Jones to where they are now at Hancock Whitney Stadium. Yes, sir. Uh, South Alabama will always have a special place in my heart. You know, with me being from Mobile, a hometown kid, uh, that was part of my reason for wanting to be a part of the program. Coach Damian Craig, uh, he was the guy that recruited me. He was a blunt guy himself. Um, he, good, he did a good job of setting the program about being one of the first, being a part of the first Division One 
football team in Mobile. Uh, that was one thing that I looked forward to and was happy about being a part of through my journey at South Alabama. Um, I always had aspirations of wanting to be the best. Um, so I took that approach and, you know, at the weight room, nutritional-wise, putting the right foods in my body, surrounding myself around the right people to help me get to the places that, that I was trying to go. Um, I didn't make it to the NFL, but, you know, I got to play professional for a few years. And um, my old South Alabama, everything, you know, they 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 helped me get to, to that point. Um, I'm, I'm glad to see that success uh, that, that they're having now with Coach Kane Womack. Um, we just recently, our staff just recently left him up there uh, earlier this week. So he's been very open and been able to get back to a lot of the alumni. You know, we didn't feel like that was presented to us in the past. So I love the trajectory where we're headed now. We're speaking with Enrique Williams, who will be putting on a youth development camp this coming Saturday at Sims Football Park starting at 11.30 a.m. And again, Willie Bohannon, who played football at Blunt High School in Tennessee, and Romel Jones, who you just heard from, will be joining them. Cephas Johnson III, who was guest in studio here, former South Alabama quarterback and went on to southeastern Louisiana doing some great things. He'll be a guest speaker also now. Talk to us about what you're doing right now, Enrique. I know that you have physical training that you do. You were on staff at a local high school this year that had a little success. And I say a little success. You start off 0-4 and then turn the tables and make the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. Yes, sir. Well, yeah, I'm coaching over at Mary G. Montgomery High School. Um, like you said, we were able to lead those guys to the playoffs. For the first time in 20 years, that was a major accomplishment. Uh, we were able to get the ball rolling after we got that first win, and uh, we just took it from there, man. The guys kept fighting and pushing through and found a way to get it done. Um, I also do uh, personal training uh, for my personal brand, Goat Life Trainer. I train a lot of the top athletes around the city. Uh, that's been going well and progressing very good for me. And uh, we just partnered together to try to give the access to the local kids in the community so where they don't have to come out the pocket to be able to see, receive some of their top-notch training as well. Your youth development camp, that's tomorrow at 11.30 a.m. at Sims Football Park. If people want to reach out and get in touch with you, how can they learn more about registration tomorrow between the ages of 5 and 12? Well, they can contact us on our social media, uh, homefield underscore ADV. That is on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And uh, as far as registration goes, you just bring your kids out and let them join the fun. Uh, we, we don't really have a, uh, like a rigorous registration uh, deal. We just sign them. They sign, in, sign their name, sign the waiver, and, and, and they're good to go. Homefield underscore ADV is how they can find out more about this youth development camp that's at Sims Football Park tomorrow at 1130 a.m. That's Homefield underscore ADV. And Enrique Williams, Romel Jones, Willie Bohannon, all local products, whether from South Alabama or Bohannon playing at Blunt and going on to Tennessee, will be given back to the youth ages 5 through 12 and to learn more about that homefield underscore adv enrique i can't thank you enough for taking time out 
Romel and Willie, for you guys giving back to community. That's what it's all about, and it helps when young people see great role models or people aspiring to where they want to go get that foundation early. It's so very important, and I thank you for that. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for giving us this platform. We really appreciate you. My pleasure. Enrique Williams, South Alabama's all-time leading tackler, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And when Michael Bronner and I come back, we'll get back into our discussion about what makes a team a blue blood. Is it national championships? Is it NCAA appearances? If that's the case, can the Alabama Crimson Tide make it to their first ever Final Four, and will they ever be considered a blue blood of college basketball? You're listening to The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Hey, this is Ladarius Owens, former Auburn football player and current CFL player. You're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And I'm joined with Michael Bronner taking your telephone calls, 251-694-1055. And our show will be a short one today because the Alabama Crimson Tide will take over Tom Stipe, Brian Pazic, Chris Stewart, bringing you all the Alabama action at 430 before tip-off at 5.30. And, Michael, we were talking about Blue Bloods and what it takes to be a Blue Blood and your traditional Blue Bloods, the six that, of course, are known to pretty much everybody who's a basketball fan. Duke, North Carolina, Indiana, UCLA, Indiana, and Kansas, and who are considered the new Blue Bloods. Now, Alabama, they want to be in the same basketball light as Nick Saban is brought to the football light. Can Nate Oates get that done? Because, again, the patience that you see with Nick Saban and the losses that he incurred in his first season as head coach, he had to get the process established. Nate Oates now, thinking his fifth year at Alabama, has had an opportunity minus COVID you take that away, not even being able to participate in any postseason play as far as from the NCAA tournament is concerned. But Nate Oates, a couple of regular season SEC championships, a couple of SEC tournament championships, can that equate to getting past the Sweet 16? And can Nate Oates take Alabama program to become a blue blood? And, and as a matter of fact, can Bruce Pearl – continue he had Auburn making it to their first ever final four they they tasted it they got a little bit of what it meant to be at the pinnacle of basketball can they can they do it well I hate to bring up this stat but you've just set me up so beautifully for it Nate Oates has now made more sweet 16s in his time at Alabama than Bruce Pearl has in his time at Auburn you know whether you want to hear it or not that is fact. <laughs> uh, obviously, means nothing if you don't make the Final Four this year. You'd give you'd give back ten Sweet Sixteen appearances for one Final Four appearance. So it is what it is. There, you got to get the job done. But no, in all seriousness, NATO certainly does appear to be on the way to establishing Alabama as one of the premier programs in college basketball. I don't know if I'd 
pull out the B word there. Uh, I think you got to win a championship and establish yourself as a perennial power who's a championship contender every year before you can even be considered in that category. But, I mean, Alabama next year is going to lose Brandon Miller, going to lose Noah Clowney, uh, probably. I, I think most of the guards are going to be back. I, I fully expect Alabama to be a top four seed in the NCAA tournament next year. I, I You know, maybe a, maybe a three, four, five. I think they'll have a fine season next year. Obviously, if you're comparing it to this season and that's where the bar is set at, you're going to be disappointed next year. This is, That's why you need to appreciate this season for what it has been, no matter how it ends, if it, even if it ends tonight, disappointingly and horribly, uh, which is not impossible. But there, uh, you, you, you got some work to do before you can even consider yourself remotely in that category. But making a final four and winning a national championship is certainly you're on you're on the road to to becoming that and proving it's not just a one off you know i just think that when you start looking at okay you look at san diego state as a five seed alabama's a one seed miami a five seed houston a one seed mm. then you look at it xavier as a three seed texas a two seed and then you turn around and you look at princeton and creighton as far as all right. Well, Biggest you mentioned spreader tonight. Yeah, I mean Creighton favored by ten, but that's the matchup that I know you said that looking ahead as an Alabama fan, then you just you don't you don't want any part really of seeing Creighton. Because no, no, I don't. Uh, if Princeton, I if you told me Alabama's going to win tonight and I have a choice of opponent, give me Princeton at any day of the week. Uh, I think Creighton is a exceedingly tough matchup for Alabama and, and will take a lot to take down Creighton. Uh, that being said, I don't really give Princeton a whole heck of a big shot tonight at all. Uh, and they've been a nice story. I, I just think Creighton is the significantly better team. So we'll see. Well, great basketball was played last night and there were some record setting performances. Marquise Noel, 19 assists. Never seen anything like it in regards. That's why he did make history and K-State beats Michigan State in overtime, and we'll talk in our next open segment as at the top of the hour here, we'll talk to Sydney Westry, the new women's basketball coach at the University of Mobile. There were some punches thrown in a women's basketball game yesterday. We'll talk a little bit about what are the repercussions of those punches being thrown in a WNIT game. Nonetheless, you're listening to the final drive here. Corey Labonte and Michael Bronner on this March Madness Friday. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! The final drive with Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner on this March Madness Friday and Sweet 16 will be 
on to the Elite Eight here after tonight's four games. And are your brackets busted? Well, I'll tell you, mine's not looking too shabby. My final four, Bama, Marquette, Gonzaga, and Houston. Only Marquette has let me down so far. So we'll see how that shapes itself out. And we'll know here definitely on Monday where we stand. But with March Madness, we mentioned earlier, South Alabama's women's basketball program named Yolisha Jackson, their new head coach today. And that's breaking news. And on yesterday, the University of Mobile women's basketball program officially announced the hire of Sydney Westry as their next head coach of the University of Mobile women's basketball program. And Sydney Westry is a former Faith Academy Ram, and she's a graduate of the University of Mobile. And the past few seasons, she's had an opportunity to be an assistant coach at Spring Hill College. But one of the reasons I definitely wanted to have Sydney on is She's one of my former players when I was an assistant coach at Faith Academy and really one of those generals that was able to lead Faith Academy to a state championship. Sydney Westry, good afternoon and welcome to the final drive. Hey, how are you doing? I'm glad to be here. Sydney, I tell you, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm super-duper excited for you and your program now, the University of Mobile, a program to where when you were a player there, you had a lot of success and took the Rams to a couple of national tournament berths. And I just know that it just means a little bit more knowing that that's your alma mater. There's no doubt. I think that that's what makes this this move very special um, to get to come back to where I called home as a student athlete, getting to come to a place where I, I know the conference where I, as you said, have been successful in winning in this conference. So it, it, that just kind of puts the icing on the cake as well. Well, let's take a look at your opportunity and where you went from Faith Academy. Of course, you won a state championship along with Jasmine Rhodes for Coach Woody Head. And I know that that was the ultimate and the pinnacle for your high school career, having an opportunity to win it all and represent Faith Academy. And then going to the University of Mobile and being that player and getting into coaching. But playing the point guard position, did you always know that you wanted to go into coaching after your career playing was over? I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't. It was actually my high school coach, Woody Head, that, at my signing, he was like, he's going to be a great coach one day. And I said, maybe. I, I, that wasn't my, my original goal. I wanted to go into physical, physical therapy and, and kind of take that route. But after leaving University of Mobile, I got to work on staff with Coach Andrew Rigby at Troy University. And that just kind of sealed the deal for me getting to work with. I mean, I always say four Division One head coaches on that staff um, for two years. That was that was an amazing experience, and, and again, that kind of filled the deal of me wanting to get into coaching. Having an opportunity to leave the University of Mobile, you went on to be a grad assistant at Troy. What was your role for the Troy Lady Trojans? Well, I got to be, um, be hands-on. I got to work uh, with scouts, and uh, Coach Courtney Simmons, who is the recruiting coordinator at Troy, gave me my first scout of Alabama State. Um, and then I got to work with Baseline Out of Bounds with Neil Harrow. And then just day-to-day -day operations, uh, working with Coach Rigby on, on 
all the things that she needs, and she's a big, big guru um, nowadays in just winning and, and just listening to her and how she's won everywhere she's been has been an experience that, you know, I take with me everywhere I go. We're talking with Sydney Westry. She's the new head women's basketball coach at the University of Mobile. And if I were to take you back to 2017 as your playing days were concluding at the University of Mobile, could you ever imagine being in that head coaching chair for your alma mater? There's no dream big enough. Um, and, I, and I don't think at, at that time that I was – was leaving University Mobile, a place that, you know, I love. I would never think that things would come full circle for me uh, to this extent. Well, it's definitely come full circle for you, but you've always had the support of your family. Tell everybody what your family means to you. And, again, having a sibling who continues to want to aspire to, to have hoop dreams. Oh, my goodness, my family. Oh, my goodness. Family is everything, and I – and as you said, the support of my mom, my dad, of this every day, just being there, showing up to games, taking me to where I need to be, AAU tournaments. I mean, even as a GA at, at Troy, when I just didn't have the most money, they were always looking out for me because they believed in this, this dream that I had. And they every day pushed me to get there and always remind me of what my goals are. And as my mom said the day I told her, she said, you're made for this. And, and this is this is what we planned for. This is what we believed in. Because they had the vision all along. And, you know, parents always have that vision that you don't see right right away. Um, and I'm so glad and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to, like I said, be here with my family and make this full circle for them as well. Well, what, you know, being at Spring Hill College on the campus of Spring Hill, of course, the rivalry that used to exist between Spring Hill and the University of Mobile what is your first line of duty trying to retool and, and get players in to the University of Mobile? I think Mobile has laid the foundation. Uh, Erica Sugman, the, the coach before me, has, has brought in great kids, um, a 19-win team a year ago. So it's just some finishing touches. I'll have to bring in eight student-athletes to kind of finish, finish this recruiting class. Um, but – the cupboard is not bare here at University of Mobile. I came into a great situation with some great kids that I had a chance to meet with on Tuesday. Um, so I'm excited to kind of to bring the pieces together that we need uh, and, and hopefully win a championship uh, this year. Well, I tell you, Sydney, I've been watching your career, and like I had the, the, the opportunity to watch you develop as – a basketball player at Faith Academy and become a state champion and was blessed to coach you there at Faith Academy, blessed to watch your AAU career continue to blossom and then watch you get in to playing for the University of Mobile and now having a chance to be the head coach there. I know you're going to do a phenomenal job and look forward to continue to see your success and definitely staying in touch with you as this next journey is at hand for you. But I know you'll definitely be a winner. Well, thank you, Coach. As I, as I continue to call you, I appreciate you and all you do for athletics around this area because 
I mean, you know I love you. So this is great, and I'm so so thankful to actually be on your show. So it, thank you so much. It's my pleasure to Sydney. Sydney Westry, the new head coach for the University of Mobile Lady Rams basketball program, is going to do a phenomenal job. Want to thank her for joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And Michael, we were talking about women's basketball and of course women's basketball on right now LSU and Utah getting ready to tip off but for those who may have missed it last night in the handshake line between Bowling Green and Memphis one of Memphis players is now being charged with assault Mm. according to the Bowling Green State University Police Department and in the handshake line, Jamira shoots from Memphis. She absolutely stuck Elisa Brett in the face and dropped her down to two knees right in front of the scores table as they were going by and shaking hands after that game. And because of it, she's going to have assault charges faced against her. And it's something that you don't see often, but when you do see it, it can get pretty ugly. Yeah, uh, not a good situation over over at Memphis, and yeah, probably the right decision was made there to file charges. I mean, she punched her in the face in the handshake line. It was a complete cheap shot. I mean, if that's not assault, I don't know what is. It's the true definition of assault when you look at it, Michael. And you know, it, it's one of those unfortunate situations to where sometimes you you. You wonder whether teams should shake hands after games. Ultimately, it's a great sign of sportsmanship that you've gone to battle for 40 minutes and you want to take care of things. That's when you have five fouls on the floor to use. And if you're going to have a hard (laughs) foul, go ahead and commit a hard foul or get ejected by having uh, a malicious foul. You saw the intentional foul being called against Tennessee last night. Uh, I mean, a clear elbow, no ejection, but it was an intentional foul that was called. But this was a punch to the face that absolutely dropped this young lady to her knees and an assault charge will be filed. Now, Michael, you mentioned on your bracket, you went 0-4. Not on the bracket, but on the WNSP.com picks. I did go 0-4, yes. And you still have Alabama and Creighton playing one another in the Sweet 16. And in the East... In the Elite Eight, but yeah. Duke and Kentucky both are gone. Mm. Um, so, So no luck there. And again, for me, Marquette... I had them in the Final Four, so they're gone. And when you look in the West, of course, you had UConn playing UCLA, and that's going to be Gonzaga. What are your thoughts about the matchup with UConn and Gonzaga? It's it, on paper is probably the best matchup of the time. Oh, Gonzaga UCLA one. This one, this one's the next, uh, the next best. Uh, UConn is better than I thought they were. Uh, their performance against Arkansas last night was pretty unbelievably dominant again we can make fun of muscleman all we want but i I don't think there's a team in this tournament that was going to beat uconn last night the way that including alabama the way uconn played last night they they were they were unbelievable so uh i I think uconn has a very good shot i but gonzaga is a heck of a team too i know this is the most blanket analysis ever yeah both uh, two good teams and both teams will have a good shot but that's really what it is i mean these are just two phenomenal teams and uh, I, if from an Alabama perspective, I, I hope Gonzaga wins because I would rather run into Gonzaga in the national championship than I would UConn. I'll tell you what, if it's Houston and UConn on that side of the Final Four, uh, again, 
Got to win tonight. Got to win Sunday for Alabama, but could be in some trouble if you're Alabama in terms of your national championship hopes. Out of the two games last night between Kansas State and Michigan State and Gonzaga and UCLA, which one was more exhilarating and thrilling? Was it the fact that Marquise Noel was able to have 20 points, 19 assists, and five steals in 43 minutes with a bad ankle, or was it the fact that it was Timmy time for the Zags and them hitting Strother's long, deep three-pointer to go ahead and put them ahead three and ultimately win the game. Yeah, for me, it's got to be the Gonzaga game. Just There's a comeback in that one. It's two legitimate championship contenders. Not that, you know, you get to the Sweet 16, I guess any of the teams could win. But, I mean, in terms of going into the tournament, we're talking about two teams that had a good chance to win the national championship. And uh, they gave us an absolute classic. And these are two teams that have given us classics in the tournament before. And and they uh, they lived up to the billing again last night. They definitely did not disappoint. Either one of the games definitely had you clamoring and wanting more of March Madness. And we'll get four more games tonight as we're trying to set our Elite Eight here for March Madness and the Alabama Crimson Tide they tip off here in about an hour and 15 minutes and during our last segment we'll talk more about the Elite Eight possible matchups that we're going to see tonight as far as this weekend's games as well maybe some predictions from Michael Bronner let's see if he can continue to have his bracket not be busted Hello, Mobile. This is Damian Craig, and I'm listening to Sports Station WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive. Corey Labonte joined by Michael Bronner behind the glass, taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. And don't forget, immediately following us here at 430, we'll the Crimson Tide Sports Network will take over for Alabama's pregame coverage, getting prepared for their Sweet 16 matchup with San Diego State. And last night, Barry Dunning Jr. There was a Barry Dunning Jr. sighting in Las Vegas as the Razorbacks fell to UConn 88-65. to But Barry Dunning Jr., three minutes, four points. And I was happy to see Barry on the floor. And he caught one off of the rim and was able to slam it down with two hands. And we know the explosiveness of Barry Dunning Jr. It's just going to be – you just, just be patient. And I guarantee you're, you've not seen Barry, the last of Barry Dunning Jr. as far as him getting major minutes. Just continue to be patient because that's one of the reasons I love following the Razorbacks is knowing that – we do have a local product, but it was great to see him score four points last night in three minutes of play, and Barry Dunning Jr. getting it done off of the bench last night in regards to making the most of his opportunity when his name was called. Now, tonight, four more games. Houston versus Miami, Creighton versus Princeton, Texas versus Xavier, and Alabama versus San Diego State. And... Michael, what is Alabama's biggest adversity that they must overcome tonight versus San, or this afternoon versus San Diego State? Avoid turnovers, I would say. Uh, San Diego State, we've been talking all week 
has a top five defense in the country, same as Alabama. And on paper, this should uh, on paper, so probably won't happen. But on paper, this should be a slugfest. Uh, and San Diego State is a team that is going to force you into mistakes and creates a lot of their offense from their defense, similar to Alabama. But Alabama is a team that teams that play tough defense have forced Alabama into silly mistakes. I think Tennessee is a great example of that. It was probably Javon Quinterly's worst game of the season. I think if you could avoid the silly mistakes tonight and avoid giving giving the Aztecs free possessions and, and making the most of your possessions on offense and just not holding on to that damn ball and, and not getting not giving it away that that really is uh, if you can you can keep turnovers under like 12 I think you win tonight you get turnovers up into the 15 20 range well I, I think you probably lose I, I, to make it simple this turnovers now I know you said the other day you hope Brandon Miller goes for 30. Realistically, well, I hope he goes for fifty. Realistically, how many will Brandon Miller have tonight? Uh, over twenty. He'll have over twenty. He so ha- he needs to tonight. Well, Alabama. They they beat San Diego State in the Sweet Sixteen and move on. Who are they going to face? Is it going to be Creighton or Princeton? Creighton is going to beat Princeton. As for Alabama, I hope Alabama beats San Diego State. Creighton is going to beat Princeton. I I will say that definitively. Creighton is going to be in the Elite Eight. FAU, K-State, who do you like? K-State, just for the reason of uh, not to to dump on FAU or anything, but a little bit more juice there with K-State making the Final Four. Just like FAU, eh. I know they're they're a great team. They won 30 games this year. They're exciting, but I'd rather see K-State. Not even purely from a basketball fan perspective, not at all from an Alabama perspective. I would rather see Kansas State in the Final Four. I think America would, too. All right. Who do you like? Houston and Miami tonight. Uh, Houston. I think I I did my one pick against Houston with the Auburn game, and they played one of the better halves of basketball I've seen a team play in a long time, beating Auburn by 27 in the second half. And I'm going with Houston tonight. And I think it – could get ugly. We'll see. I I, I think Sasser's healthy. He, he looked pretty good last. The only reason he wasn't in the game for a lot of the second half is he had four fouls. It wasn't a health thing. So I think uh, I think Houston gets it done tonight as well. Texas Xavier. I guess Texas. I don't think Rodney Terry's going to get that job. Which Why not? That that's one of the things you you've got to remove the interim from his name. Yeah, he's earned it. He's done a. One well of a job I'm with behind you. Chris Beard. He shouldn't have interim on his name anywhere. He finishes twelve a second behind Kansas in their conference. Won the tournament. Take the interim off of his name. I think that it shouldn't be there. I mean, I remember when Steve Fishers had interim stuck next to his name in 1989, and of course he went on to win a national championship. But at the same time, he he does not deserve the interim tag on there. He deserves to be just flat out head coach. I, now I don't disagree with you. Uh, I'm just predicting what it, what I think is going to happen. If you make the final four, it's maybe a different story. But uh, you know that Texas team is one of, is one of the best rosters in the country. So you know you do if you're the person making the hire at Texas, you got to ask. All right, is Rodney Terry this great coach, or did he just not screw up this great team? Which I think both angles are fair to look at, although I do think it's pretty clear Rodney Terry can coach. Well, I will say this. You know, all eyes were on Marquise Noel last night for K-State. But really, to me, the tournament story, Keontae Johnson 
the young man who had a heart attack for the Florida Gators and fell face first a year or so ago on the court against Florida State. He's, he's put up major numbers for K-State and bouncing back from that heart attack and not knowing whether he was going to play basketball anymore or not. To me, that's the story of the NCAA tournament, whether they win or, or, or lose. But we'll see if the Alabama Crimson Tide can survive and advance tonight against San Diego State and punch their ticket to the Elite Eight. Hopefully next time we talk to you guys, we'll have a Crimson Tide. And, and I'm not even going to say it, but uh, hopefully there will be good stuff to talk about on Monday. We'll, we'll have plenty to talk about on Monday here on the final drive, and we'll see if the Crimson Tide is still alive. The last remaining hope for the SEC. We'll see if they can get it done.